and welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Quentin, got my brother Travis with me as always, and today we are covering television's debut album, Marky Moon, which came out in 1977. So... We've been kind of hanging out in the garage rock, you know, punk rock vein for the last month or so. What do you know about this band, dude? The first time I heard about these guys, I was reading about Spoon's influences, and they were mentioned as an influence of, of Brit, Brit Daniel. And that's when I first, like, kind of dug in and, and, you know, listened to Marky Moon and all that kind of stuff. I just know that these guys are super influential to punk, to post-punk, <laughs> you know? Yeah, these guys were just right there, like, in the moment, in New York City, in the late 70s, when, you know, punk rock emerged, at least in New York City. Um, and I'm going to try my hardest not to dive too much into this today because I want to cover this in more depth next week for our sidetrack but television was one of the bands that put the uh, music venue CBGB on the map alongside the Ramones uh, Blondie television was one of the, the like one of the bands that got that music venue on the map as far as like for the punk rock scene in that time in New York City. Um, and the thing about television is, you know, if you think of, you think about bands like, I mean, Blondie and the Ramones, like, yeah, they're punk rock, but they're like that simple form of punk, you know, which is part of like a defining, like that's, that is what punk rock is. But television, what made them different and I'm going to quote someone here, and for some goddamn reason, I didn't give this person cred <laughs> when I pasted this quote into my notes, and I tried to find it again, I couldn't. I don't know who said this, but the thing that made television different, and specifically their album Marky Moon, is that you know this album abandoned contemporary punk rock's power chords in favor of rock and jazz-inspired interplay with melodic lines and counter melodies. I think that's what makes television and Marky Moon so special, dude. Like this album is just full of like what feels like improv jazz kind of moments, you know, that's to me what makes Marky Moon such a important album in, in the genre. So is there anything that mentions his voice as far as like, was he was he kind of the first to do to do that sound with his voice the more like it more lazy I guess because we've talked about how how that was kind of a style with some of those in the post punk revival bands like you know the Strokes and and whatnot yeah back in seventy uh, seven a couple months after the release of Marky Moon uh, this guy that writes for Rolling Stone was reviewing the album and he said. Uh, Tom Verlaine, which is the lead singer, and we'll we'll name off the roster here in a bit. Uh, he says Tom Verlaine 
sings all his verses like an intelligent chicken being strangled. <laughs> what the hell? I mean, he's all over the place, dude. Yeah, you know? that's kind of funny, though. It does sound like he's crying out, like, last, you know, uh, gasps of air as he's being strangled. Yeah. Is that what you mean, as far as, like, his voice? Yeah, sure. As far as, like, it's, you know... It's sort kind of, of all like... over the place. It's not very uh, melodic, you know? Yeah. It sounds very... Um, almost like tortured you know well yeah sort of those like you know sporadic kind of like whales yeah. and like off-key moments and stuff like that you know yeah yeah and i think the thing that stands out for me so for one like diving into this album and the history and all that and and the history behind television i wouldn't put them in the punk rock category you know, and so that goes along with, you know, when we talked about Talking Heads and recovered their album Talking Heads '77. Talking Heads were right there with these guys at CBGB at the ground floor, dude. Yeah, that's you know? crazy, man. Yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting that you talk about you know Blondie, Ramones, Television, Talking Heads. Like you couldn't get like like they're so different, all four of them, but they all yeah. uh, you know have punk rock as sort of like the this base layer you know yeah um they're also they're also um thrown into the art punk category and you know this brings me back to that band that i covered for one of my sidetracks when i was flying solo for a bit there um the soft boys you know like it's punk but it's equal parts like blues and psychedelia. You know, it's something different. Yeah. Um, I want to quote someone here real quick from this uh, tele. It's a it's a fan site uh, for television. If you go to the website, it looks like it's right out of like 1998, dude. Like GeoCities shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Uh, but it's a super fan, and um, the way he puts it. Marky Moon changed the way I thought about music, about the way it was created, the way it was played, and the way it sounded. Forget the way it should sound. It was like a new musical world, or the old one twisted inside out. It was energy and brains and power and beauty. So I'm going to name off the roster real quick, and then we'll just go ahead and jump right into our first clip. So... Uh, we've got Tom Verlaine. He's the lead singer-songwriter. He plays guitar. And we've got Richard Lloyd, who also plays guitar. Uh, and notice how I said they were both just guitar. I didn't say one was lead, one was rhythm. Um, they bounce back and forth off each other. You know, one will do a solo, the other one will do a solo. And even, like, the rhythm guitar sections of each song is complex enough that it that that part like is almost the defining guitar part of the song. You know what I mean? Like they both have very significant parts as guitar players in each song on this album. And then you've got Billy Fica on drums and Fred Smith on bass. Now that's the band that that's television. Once Marky Moon came along, uh, there was another guy named Richard Hell who also 
was kind of like a co-singer songwriter and he played bass but he left the band early on the reason i mentioned him is because i'm going to bring him up again next week on our sidetrack um but anyways it, it seems like television was kind of you know like the the opposite side of the coin for punk rock right it was more it was more kind of on like the uh new wave side of punk rock right yeah television was kind of sort of like the founding fathers if you will of the term new wave um does television have that label on them too uh, i mean not on wikipedia but i would definitely put them in that category dude. and and that falls in in the you know in the in the jazz i, I, mean, I was gonna like, say that I was gonna say that I I wouldn't put them in the new wave camp. You wouldn't put them alongside Talking Heads. No, not not as far as like I would put them along Talking Heads, like early Talking Heads, kind of like we're talking about, like the CBGB era. Okay. But Talking Heads started to to. It's kind of funny, right? Talking Heads and television. It's almost like the same band name because Talking Heads is like referring to like the news anchors on TV and stuff. But anyway, like Talking Heads started to 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 be there you know they were so experimental with their sounds you know and that's what made them like the new wave kind of thing you know i feel like television is more like more rooted in 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 punk you know yeah you know what dude and but let's let the music fucking talk man i was about to say you know with with that let's just go ahead and play our first track so um we're gonna play track one on the album this song is called see no evil
So right off the bat with this opening track, the thing about television and Marky Moon that's different than punk rock in this era, you know, with the Ramones and and bands like that, they've got like this dual guitar kind of thing going on, you know, and it, it's yeah. definitely like more structured and more complex than like the super simple uh, power chords, right? It makes me think of uh, Thin Lizzy a little bit. Thin Lizzy, and and I don't know if we're going to get shit for this, even though no one ever emails us anyways, but like it makes me think of Boston, dude. Yeah. I, and the only reason like I even brought that up is because I looked into it, and Boston's debut album came out in 76. So well, that, was only, that was a year before this came out. It's that dual guitar, you know. Well, Thin Lizzy's, I mean, Thin Lizzy's uh, Boys Are Back in Town. Yeah. Came out in 76 as well. So, like, okay. I think, you know, this might have been the, the just kind of, what what time did, uh, when did Marky Moon come out? 77. 77. So, I mean, yeah, yeah uh, you know, that was just kind of, you know, I, it's not like Thin Lizzy popularized dual guitar or Boston. No. You know. No, yeah. I, I wouldn't, uh, I, I, I wish I kind of. I wish I knew who who popularized it. You know what I mean? To be honest, yeah, with you. yeah. So I'm gonna quote someone here real quick from the New York Times. Uh, this was an article that was written in '78 uh, by a, a journalist named John Rockwell. He says uh, this is a two guitar band, but unlike most such groups, the two don't normally engage in furious improvisatory face-offs. There are improvisations in television, uh, but such spontaneity occurs uh, within set rules. Generally, one guitarist plays a subsidiary role within a given song and the other solos, although the nature of the, quote, rhythm guitar figurations is often so unusual as to define the sound of the song. So that's what I was saying earlier. Like, you can't really put one player as the rhythm guitar and the other as the lead guitar because even the rhythm guitar section can define the sound of the song. Um, yeah, sure. And they are doing different things, but it does sound, uh, you know, like almost almost like the math rock sound that we've talked about before right. with bands like Foles and Interpol, stuff like that. Sure. Um, well, because, Q, because I was curious, I, I found an article real quick on the um, sort of the origins of dual guitar harmonies. Okay. And like it goes back to the 40s, but where it caught on big time as far as like rock and blues and stuff was the Yardbirds, which would be, of course, Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page. So there you go. Okay. You know, two guitar gods, really. Right. Yeah. Um, Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page, obviously, like godlike guitar yeah. status or whatever or god status and as far as like the guitar world is concerned so they were in a band together obviously with the yardbirds so it makes sense that they would do dual guitar work together because they're both such tremendous guitar players you know you can't have one just kind of fade into the background so anyway yeah uh that was in 66 back when you know the 60s and stuff when the yardbirds were doing that so it's no surprise that like th the funny thing about television and like the way that they're doing, like like you said, the kind of dual guitar stuff is it's more, they don't have the the distortion cranked up or the gain 
cranked up. You know, it's not a, it's not, it doesn't sound like a, like hard rock song, you know? And that goes back to like that less like stepping away from like rock quote unquote and punk and going a little bit more like alternative, you know? Yeah. It's like a step towards all their alternative sound that like talking heads and, and whatnot sort of started to define, you know? Yeah. One thing I read that I thought was interesting, you know, this punk rock scene was emerging in New York City in the late 70s. And both Blondie and the Ramones released their first albums in 76. And television, although they had the material, um, they kind of took their time with their first release and they didn't drop Marky Moon until 77. So this, you know, punk rock sound was already out in the mainstream, I guess, you know, with, with these albums from the Ramones and Blondie. And then television just drops this album in 77 and just changes everything about, you know, these stereotypical sounds or stereotypical, uh, you know, style that was kind of brought about by the Ramones and Blondie. Like they kind of flipped the script even just a year later. Like this is what this sound can be. Would you say like, I don't know. I don't know the answer to this question, but uh, you know, is it the Ramones that put CBGB on the map, or was it just the whole scene around at that time? You know. Well, okay, dude, I'm not. I'm just not going to get into this until next week, dude, because okay. we're going to dive into CBGB and its origins, and uh, we're going to. I'm going to try to see if we can cover, you know, a few bands next week for our side track. Seventy-seven. Um, but no, dude, it was a combination of of yeah. multiple bands that put CBGB on the map. Yeah. Um. Television and Ramones being, you know, the a few of those bands. Talking Heads are thrown in there too, man. Uh, so yeah, that that's that's the thing, man. This is like both sides of that punk rock coin. Like I was saying, you got the Ramones and Blondie, uh, you know, with the more simple uh, approach, you know, power chords, simple lyrics, and then you got the more complex bands like Television and Talking Heads. Um, you know, with influences in surf rock, like I covered a couple weeks back, uh, with like Dick Dale and the Ventures. Um, and that's, I mean, that's to me is what is what's so cool. What's so cool about this garage rock, punk rock style of, of rock music. Um, you know, like, like I was saying earlier, I didn't even think about television as, as a band that that would be put in the punk rock category, uh, I, you know, but I so would I say like, they're they're way more punk rock than Talking Heads ever were. Sure, but but like it, it's the improv sounding, you know, more complex jazz kind of music that that kind of get puts them away from punk rock for me. Because yeah. when I think of punk rock, I think more about that the more simple the Ramones or yeah, just exactly. like the most like obvious example yeah like, the ramones or are, are like bands like the sex pistols and yeah stuff, sure and black flag but i would you know i would say that that tom verlaine's voice uh is more por- sounds more punk than than let's say uh you know david burns voice you know one of the reasons that 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 talking heads like nobody knew where to how to label them is because of how like experimental and like different david burns vocal stylings were you know what i mean that's what made them stand out was yeah. how like 
how neurotic he was, you know? Yeah. I get, but the, I mean, that's the thing, dude. I would, <laughs> I would put Tom Verlaine in that same category. Well, let's hear another song then, because I haven't heard let's it Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so uh, another quote I'm going to put here real quick. Actually, I quoted this guy earlier, but I'm going to quote the, the beginning of his uh, quote. One thing about their guitar riffs, I guess, specifically what Verlaine brought to the table, it's this kind of, uh, quote, nightmare style of guitar. Like, it just kind of sticks in your head. Uh, his mm. guitar riffs are just... I mean, they are kind of haunting. This next track we're going to play is one of my favorite like guitar riffs in the album. So I got a couple clips from this one. This is track three on the record. It's called Friction. Yeah, I can see the haunted. Uh, I can see why that word is used, you know. Yeah. But anyway, let me tell you something. Dude. I was trying to figure out the first the first song he played. I knew that 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 there was a a voice, like his voice sounded like familiar to me, and I couldn't place it. But on this song, I, I kind of, to me, I'm hearing uh, Mick Jagger. It sounds like Mick. Jagger. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Uh, so that's and the the Rolling you know, Stones have, have were around for at least a decade before these guys came around, you know. Dude, yeah, if not more than that, more than that for sure. Yeah, dude. Um, I mean, this is just one of those albums that you know, even after all these years, it just kind of it it, it it holds up, dude. Like, yeah, it really does. You said you haven't listened to it all the way through, man. I mean. This album, you can you can see so many bands that have that drew influence from this from this sound, you know. Yeah, I was gonna say the guitar style. I, I can definitely hear how Brit Daniel may have been influenced by that guitar style and some of the early Spoon stuff. Yeah, and he, I mean, like I said, he 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 mentioned television specifically as an influence. So, so there you go. 
And even the way Bertaniel sings, you know, he's got a similar kind of delivery, you know? Yeah, so I'm going to quote someone else here real quick. Um, some uh, rock journalist wrote this in Soho Weekly in 77. I couldn't find the actual article, but this is just, I'm just pulling this from Wikipedia, but this is a good quote here. Uh, Forget everything you've heard about television. So he's he's talking specifically about this album. You know, he had heard and seen television live before this album came out. He's saying, forget everything that you've heard about these guys before. Forget about punk. Forget New York. Forget CBGBs. Hell, forget rock and roll. This is the real item. So he's talking about this, you know, this album is, it, this is it, man. Like, this is important, you know, like this is an important piece of rock and roll history this album here let's jump to the next one. Oh shit i haven't even played clip two from friction okay so i really like the just the ending of this song it's gonna sound a little familiar not much changes here but i kind of like the way that they end this it just kind of ends with another guitar solo so here's clip two from friction on television's 1977 release marky moon Yeah, man, I'm I'm really into that guitar work. Yeah, dude, for sure. Yeah, I'm gonna quote someone who who wrote an article on this album back in '96. Uh, Many of Verlaine's solos, at first listen, make you feel that a real risk is being taken, and that if he doesn't come up with a killer idea out of nowhere, the riffs will just peter out or noodle about and never resolve. That's kind of goes along with like the, you know, kind of like the nightmarish quality of this style of guitar work. Like it makes you feel uneasy and like kind of, kind of like they're saying it's, he's taking risks with his approach to guitar solos. And it's, it, you feel like you're watching, you're listening to someone improvise on the spot, you know? Yeah, no, um, I love it. Yeah, it definitely has that kind of sporadic. Yeah, it's probably it probably is improv, you know. Well, yeah. So that was a thing, like you know, that was part of their repertoire was improvisation. But mostly, what you're hearing is, and I'm quoting from earlier, like I had said earlier. Even if it sounds spontaneous, you know, they they they've got these set of rules in place for where they go with 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 their guitar work you know so kind of like uh you know those those uh, garage rock revival groups 
uh, the, like the Strokes and Balkans, you know, these are bands that are extremely well practiced and rehearsed, you know? So even with that style and sound, it sounds simple and spontaneous. These are bands that are super well practiced and, and, you know, they have, you know, perfected their craft. Uh, all right. So I got one more song for us from Marky Moon. Uh, this is track five on the record. And this one is called Elevation. Yeah, man, that's a that's. I gotta say, that's my favorite so far. I like it a lot. It's weird, right? Like that, like on a dime stop. Yeah, and I mean, you know, with with that co- the, the angular guitar. Yeah, you know, is reminiscent of Interpol, right? So yeah. Interpol to to throw them into the mix, and then like I, you know, I'm starting to I'm starting to hear a similarity between him and David Byrne now for sure. Yeah, the dude. Voice. Thank so you. You're, you're right. Thank you. No, I mean, obviously, David Byrne. Uh, you know, gets it, it. You know, is way over in like left field. But I mean, like he's definitely he's got that sort of that really like sometimes like spontaneous like wailing type delivery. You know, where it's like it's sort of all over the map. You know, yeah, yeah, dude. And I, I just love the fact that these guys were all you know playing shows together at CBGB. They were all there in New York at the same time. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, man. That's what I love about music, dude. Just the finding out. I mean, like it keeps happening with us, and uh, fucking finding out that Nigel Godric is on so many albums that we love. You know, I mean, you just find out that all these people are are connected, you know, and intertwined together in in the history of of fucking rock and roll, dude. It's good stuff. Definitely, it's always interesting to. Uh figure out all the like all the stepping stones you know yeah that's what i always like to like to do is, is you know 
where does it where does it start like where did this sound start you know yeah where did the dual guitar sound start yeah you know because somebody a group did it first you know yep always yeah and uh i mean that's a good a good place to end it dude uh so that's all i got for this record um and for our outro i'm gonna kind of go back into the the surf rock vein um but before that i'll say real quick as always we've got a really awesome website that my brother travis has created y'all should hop on there it's nofillerpodcast.com there we have show notes for every single episode including the sidetracks that you know provide links and uh video clips and lots of other cool stuff for each artist and album that we've covered next week we're gonna dive into a little bit of the history behind the historic venue cbgb and um and then the following week dude we got ourselves another guest on the pod uh we're gonna cover nick drake's album brighter later with uh one of my dearest friends on this planet uh larry lodra he's one of the guys that that got me into nick drake uh man i can't wait dude i cannot wait dude he's i mean you know the guy's such a such a talented singer songwriter too you know oh yeah yeah oh we're gonna get into all that dude uh dude i mean he's no i won't say it we'll save it for we'll save it for the episode (laughs) um so for our outro, one of the influences noted for uh, television, specifically for uh, Tom Verlaine, is a uh, instrumental surf rock band called The Ventures. Ever heard of them? I'm sure you have. Probably. You've heard their stuff. Do they have like a really mega hit? You know. Uh, I want to say okay, dude. They they're. Their song is is the theme song for Hawaii Five O. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure you can't think of the song off the top of your head because we, you know, we didn't grow up in the fucking '60s. Sure. But uh, yeah, man, they're just one. Does of those... it sound like a, you know, one of those Dick Dale surf rock yes. songs? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah, but um, so I I listened to this awesome album of theirs. Uh, I don't know exactly when this album was released officially. But this is a live record of them playing their tunes in Japan in 1965. Uh, so I did a whole sidetrack on surf rock, you know, and I tied it back to uh, garage rock. You know, this was like one of the origins of garage rock. And, you know, I didn't really think about it. Like, it was kind of hard for me to to put those two things together, you know, because I had said that it was surf rock and psychedelia that led to garage rock but after listening to this album dude this live record by the ventures holy shit man like it a lot of it has to do with the super fast paced drumming and it's the way that they strum their guitar man it's just punk rock through and through it's fucking awesome dude so again this is a live recording from japan live in 65 this is a band called the ventures and we're going to fade us out with a song of theirs called Cruel Sea, parentheses, The Cruel Surf. And uh, until next week, my name is Quentin. My name is Travis. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. 
Y'all take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.